In this episode of the Employee Onboarding Podcast, Erin Royce, the People and Operations Coordinator at Process Street, speaks to Justine Vandermuder of the Talent and People Experience Department at Quilla. They discuss designing a great onboarding experience for all new recruits, regardless of their role or working location, encouraging manager buy-in through the onboarding experience, and throwing new hires in at the deep end. Welcome to Process Street's Employee Onboarding Podcast, where we are unpacking great onboarding ideas and best practices from the world's top HR practitioners and thought leaders. At Process Street, that starts with our mission to make recurring work fun, fast, and faultless for teams everywhere. My name is Erin Rice, and I'm the People and Operations Coordinator here at Process Street. Today, I'm joined by Justine Vandermuter. Justine is originally from Brussels in the Netherlands, but is currently living in Sydney, Australia. Justine is passionate about startups, specifically those with less than 100 employees, as well as mental health in the workplace. Justine is working in talent and people experience at Quiller, where she has been for over the last two years in a small but mighty people team of two. So mighty that she designed the entire onboarding process at Quiller, which I can't wait to hear more about. Thank you so much for being here, Justine, especially at this hour. Hello. Good morning. I'm ending my day while you're already in tomorrow. Pretty wild how technology allows us to be connected with people all around the globe. So before we dive in, I like to ask a super controversial question, just to break the ice. Today, I'm pulling one from a recent all hands we had at Process Street. Is pizza better hot or cold? So I've thought about this question over the last couple of days because I really cannot make a decision. I think both are really, really great. I love hot pizza, but I also love cold pizza the next day. There's just something about it that I just really enjoy, but you can't really fault the melty cheese either. So I'm like, "Mm." either or, I'm happy with both. So I'll go both. Okay. So maybe it's fair to say hot pizza for dinner, cold pizza for breakfast. Is that fair? 100%. 100%. Awesome. <laughs> I think a lot of people in, in my company could agree with you and probably all over the world, to be honest. Awesome. Well, yeah. let's dive into what we really came here for, employee onboarding. I'd love if you could tell us a little bit more about your role at Quiller. Yeah, sure. So um, having been at Quiller for just over two years now, I feel like my role has evolved over time, first of all, as any good role would. But yeah, while my role title officially would be talent and experience partner just like anyone in HR there's so many things that encompasses that and like so many different things that I actually do and actually am responsible for as well so because we're only a, a team of two one my colleague she's um, more recruiter focused and I'm more the HR side of things there's a lot that involves within my role so I do try to work very closely with like people managers. I run all the employee initiatives. One of the things I'm very passionate about is employee experience and how to create a workplace that is great for people to show up and do their best work. So all the people operations, I onboard, um, design the onboarding process, as we're obviously here to talk about that today. Um, mitigate like the the performance management i run all the company-wide meetings or like all hands meetings i try to keep and try to work on retention a lot as well i think that's something that's really important we quite proud to say have a very low turnover rate within the company and that's something that i'm really also proud of and something that i want to upkeep as well and then other like boring hr stuff like having confidential confirmations mitigating performance improvement plans and just making sure that people are happy within Quiller. 
So basically everything. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're in good company. So yes. it looks like Quiller is globally distributed. Is that correct? You guys are also 100% remote? Um, so we're actually, I mean, yes, yes and no. We do have a headquarters here in Sydney, Australia, but we are spread globally. So the majority of our salespeople, for example, are located within the US and they all work 100% remotely. Um, and while we do have an office here in Sydney, Australia, we work in a hybrid setting. So today I'm working from home. Tomorrow I might go into the office. It doesn't really matter. Um, the office is there to be used, but, um, it, there's no like strict office dates or anything like that within Australia. We were also spread within different parts of Australia and people like to travel to the office. Sometimes um, we do provide budgets for that too. Um, so people that live in Brisbane or Melbourne um, are able to come and, and visit um, the Sydney office on a regular week. I would say the more popular office days would be like Tuesdays and Thursdays maybe, but from the 40 ish people that live in the Sydney area, I would say maybe the average on an office day would be 15. So it is primarily a remote company. Okay, really cool. So you designed your employees' current onboarding. I'm so curious to hear what your onboarding was like before that process was designed. It was actually really interesting because I was very nervous to show up on my first day and I was like, I have no idea. Like, it was my first real job in Australia as well. And to be honest, the onboarding at the time was very, very basic. There was only 35 people in the company. There was no like HRIS. There was no strict onboarding processes. I joined as like support to our head of people at the time. And I got some very basic documents on like, oh, this is the vision and the mission of the company. Here's kind of what we do. And that was it. And I remember my, my manager at the time, she told me to prepare a list of questions for the first day. Um, and I went like above and beyond when I came with like a list of, <laughs> I think 55 questions or something ridiculous like that. Um, because I, I wanted to know so many different things. And I think that was a really interesting way of getting started. But in terms of like strict onboarding processes, there was not really much at the time. <laughs> So how did you even tackle that? Like, how did you get to a point where you could like bring yourself up to speed, I guess, like bring yourself up to speed, but then also start contributing? I think something that's really important to me um, today as well is proactively reaching out to other people in the company. And I do understand that there needs to be some kind of like personal aspect to it as well. Like you have to have that personality. You have to be comfortable to do that, which is not suitable for everyone, which is not very inclusive at all, really. But it's something that I did was proactively reaching out to people, managers, understanding their teams, understanding what they do, which helped me gain a picture of who is who within the company and kind of what their pain points were. So yeah, I, I, I did work very closely together with our head of people. So a lot of the things I learned, I learned through her. She'd been with the company for three years at the time. So she, she had some very basic projects assigned to me at the start. But I think, yeah, reaching out to people and learning about their teams and learning where their pain points are and also what's going really well for them really helped me shape that full image of, of the company. That's great. And so now two years later, you've been there, you've onboarded yourself, you've seen probably other employees join the company. How, mm -hmm. how has it kind of evolved over time? 
So it definitely has evolved. And again, I, I think I'm pretty proud of the way that I've taken the onboarding process from basically the blank canvas that it was to something that's actually a really good process or it's basic still, but it's still a good process where I get feedback from new employees saying like, oh, this is a great, like, I didn't know a startup could have, you know, such good onboarding process and everything was figured out and everyone was so helpful, which I think is a great, a great start. Definitely. But yeah, over the last two years, we've basically doubled in headcount. So I have onboarded a lot of people and I like to think about the onboarding process as an iterative process as well. So every time I do onboard someone new, I try to see, are there elements that we can improve? or other elements that need changing or tweaking at that time or that point in time. So over the last two years, we have adopted an HRIS, which, you know, we, we use the onboarding model of, it's not great, like it gives us task reminders, which is nice. <laughs> and it's not very personalized, I'm, I must admit, but it's a lot better than where it used to be. And things change so quickly within our company and in our space that at the start, I quite literally find myself like updating things every couple of days, being like, oh yeah, oh wait, this needs to change, or I need to add this, or I need to add that uh, to the list of things that need to be done. But now that we have those tasks like actually listed out and they give us reminders like, oh, two weeks before, hey, here's a reminder that, you know, you have a new starter coming, remember to pack a swag box and send it to them, right? It makes it a lot more structured than what we had before and I've seen what they used before, which was a Notion checklist. So yeah, it definitely has evolved. So where did you start? That seems like such a big undertaking. Yeah, it definitely was. And once again, I think one of the things that I learned the most from was talking to other people within the company. I talked to all of the managers, tried to understand what they need from me as like the HR person for their people to be onboarded properly. But then I also spoke to all of the new starters that had joined the company within the last six months and literally like interviewed them about their onboarding experience. And based on that, I started compiling a list of all the things that actually need to be done, like as well with the, the finance teams and like founders and all the different parts that are involved within creating this all around onboarding experience. And then, yes, start to list out all the tasks and something that I think is really important with onboarding, like it doesn't start on their first day. It actually starts way before that. It starts after they've signed their offer because you want to keep up that excitement throughout the notice periods. Here in Australia, we have four week notice period. So it is actually quite long. If someone were to quit their job on the day that they get an offer, we have four weeks to fill to keep up that excitement. So the way... I've actually scheduled it is like I have tasks every couple of days and I involve different people from within the company as well. So it's not all just me that reaches out to the new starter, but it's they get reached out by their buddy or their manager reaches out or, you know, they get some tasks to onboard themselves or they get a document to read or something and very small like drips throughout those four weeks. So it's not overwhelming for them. They don't have to do it if they don't want to. They can wait until their first day. It's not that time consuming or time pressured, but I do get a lot of feedback that's actually really nice that they get those things before their first day as well. Yeah, I can imagine going through the hiring process, getting a job offer, and then crickets for a month would be really awkward. <laughs> 
Yeah, 100%. And yeah, one of the things I am so passionate about is creating that experience for people. And I want them to be excited. I want them to feel part of the company on like from the moment they sign their offer. Like that's why I think it's so important to involve more people than just me or just a recruiter that they've worked with, but other people in the company as well. So I would imagine these task assignments are automated then. You don't manually go in and assign tasks? Correct. So within our HRS, we are able to assign the manager to the person. So, and then a certain number of tasks will be assigned to the manager. Um, I do manually send them reminders sometimes just because I feel like they get so, so many emails from our HRS system that they might get overlooked sometimes. So sometimes I do like copy paste, whatever the task says and put it into Slack to them and be like, Hey, remember to do this today. But yeah, it it is not a very automated process. We obviously do use our own tool as well, um, which is Quiller, which is a a document automation tool. We like to, we want to change the way people do documents. So the majority of our documents within our onboarding process are cooler documents as well, which gives them a nice introduction to our product too. Yeah, that's great. Dog fooding, we say, using your own product (laughs) internally. (laughs) Um, So tell me how you manage onboarding in a globally distributed company. And I would imagine it's probably even trickier when you have some people coming in office and some not. I would love to hear more about how you manage those different types of onboarding. I believe like there shouldn't be a difference between the in-person onboarding and the remote onboarding. I try to create everyone equal within the company, regardless of whether they're based in Australia, based in Asia or based in the US or Europe for that matter. We have always been a globally distributed company with a remote first culture. So my process is actually set up to cater for that as well. I don't expect anyone like it's nice if you can come in on your first day into the office, but it's definitely not a requirement. So everything is set up to cater for both situations and there is actually very little difference other than if they do come into the office on their first day like I'll take them out for a coffee or their manager will take them out for a coffee that's not something we can do if if they're remote obviously at least not in person we can do it virtually but other than that our onboarding processes are quite self-paced as well um, with the regular check-in times with their managers or with me and yeah I think I think that's a great way of doing it too yeah Absolutely. So what about in terms of like different roles? So if you're hiring an executive level versus like a key contributor, individual contributor, does it vary at all based on their role? So from company-wide perspective, onboarding is the same for everyone. And I do want to keep it that way because I think it's very important that regardless of what level or what experience you have, you joining the company, everyone gets the same onboarding experience from the company point of view. However, our managers are very heavily involved in um, the role-specific onboarding for their team members, just because they do have the best insight in uh, what needs to be done there. And again, we are a startup, we are quite small, so it's very rare that we hire like five of the same people. So every onboarding experience needs to be tailored kind of to the person that is joining within the role that they're joining as well. So our managers do create like the 30, 60, 90 plans and like um, are responsible for introducing them to the team and like onboarding them in in that way. So managers have their department that's sort of their main priority. How did you get them 
to get buy-in to provide that additional like support to your department to make onboarding successful? I think it all starts from building a really great relationship between HR and the people managers within the company. Um, I'm working like it's a it's a daily thing trying to build that relationship uh, within the company with them to get them to trust me and to come to me for help and advice as well. And that's really the start of them understanding the value of different things that DHR department does, as well as their role within those different functions. I think we're very blessed to have managers within the company that really care about their people as well. Um, We do really try and hire on like people management skills as well, because that's something that we think is very important. And that's why that manager buy-in within the onboarding process is so important. I've noticed some managers that just expect new team members coming in and hitting the ground running. And I've kind of like had to retract that and be like, "Uh -uh -uh." it doesn't matter that they've been, you know, a head of security for 20 years and they come into the company and are expected to know what they're doing. They still don't know how our company works. They don't know how our different teams work, regardless of how many years they've been, you know, within their role specific business. Right. So that's why I think that you know, manager involvement within that role-specific or department-specific onboarding is so, 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 so important. And I would imagine once you have their buy-in, that probably contributes to your high retention. Yeah, I, I would say. I think us supporting the managers is really important, but it goes both ways, right? So the initiatives that I set up to increase that employee experience or increase, you know, retention needs to be bought in by the managers as well. And then they need to push that out to their teams. And it goes both ways. And and I think, you know, again, that relationship is really important to have that and maintain that as well. So reflecting over everything that you've learned over these last two years and probably from other positions that you've been in too, you know, your own onboarding experiences, what would you say are the great pieces that make onboarding successful? I think getting people to feel part of something greater from the start is something that is so incredibly important. You don't want them to feel lost. You don't want them to feel like they're a newbie and they're surrounded by all these people that have been here for so long and they feel left out. That's the last thing you want to do. So I think that onboarding experience, and again, it starts from the day the offer is signed all the way through is involving as many people as possible and getting them to see all the different parts of the company. Awesome. What would you say is something that on most onboarding processes are missing? I think this this might be one of the things that we struggle with as well. It's kind of the the who is who and what do they do? We're at this funny size of a company right now. We're just over 70 employees and like there's few enough people to know everyone, but there's also too many people to talk to everyone. So, how do we find a way that new starters can actually understand the structure of the company and like who is who and what do they do? (laughs) (laughs) And is that the next phase of your onboarding process? Yes. It's something I'm currently working on and I'm not sure like it's, it's in the drafting phases. I'm tossing up a couple ideas on whether do I get everyone to make a loom video and attach it to their to the, like, the company directory where people can go in and watch the different things? Or do I get the managers to 
described their departments and then create an overview of who is in that department. I'm I'm not sure. I want to make it quite personal, but also not take away from too much time from people involved in creating this. I think that that's the age old trouble in HR is how do I get right. the most <laughs> ROI with very little I? <laughs> yeah. So looking at the future, technology is moving at a really fast pace. Our world is evolving very quickly. What do you foresee as, you know, the next thing that we see in onboarding? It's got to be AI, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's It's got to be. I don't know how, like, I understand AI to a level. I understand that it will take our jobs one day, but in practice, I'm not too sure. (laughs) But I'm I'm excited what it has to bring and maybe it'll make things easier for us as well. Yeah, we you know, the ethics around AI is a is a very tricky topic. Mm-hmm. But I think if used the right way, it can make us work smarter, not harder, hopefully. Yes, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. So sort of reflecting over all of your experience with onboarding, how would you say onboarding has changed over time? I think it has become like generationally, if you think about our parents joining companies, like they were just thrown in a deep end as well. And you were just like, you just join a company and do whatever. And I think that has really changed. I think the people experience part of companies has really changed as well, where you join a company now and you want to be welcomed warmly and you want to understand how things work quicker to then be the best version of yourself too. So um, I think that's definitely something that has changed over time and will iteratively keep changing in the future too. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. The The generations are wanting to make bigger and larger contributions because now we know that it's possible because we get a worldview and we understand what's happening in other parts of the world. Whereas you know, 15 years ago, we didn't always know that. Um, I think that's yes. such a good point. Okay. Mm-hmm. Last question. I'll let you get back to the start of your day, Wednesday, even though it's <laughs> Tuesday for me. What is one thing that companies can do to create a wow moment for their new hires? Make them feel part of the team from day zero, from the day that offer is signed, even throughout the hiring process, like make them feel part, like they are part of something bigger. I think that is so, so important. And don't make a difference between long-term employees and newbies either um, within the company, like involve them in everything you're doing and kind of throw them into the deep end, but do allow them for the downtime and the regular check-ins with the various, you know, stakeholders and parties within the company. I think that is the most important thing. I love that you're not differentiating between those that are brand new and those that have been around for a while. When I started at Process Street, I was brought into these focus groups like week two and they're asking me Mm -hmm. feedback on the product. And I'm like, I don't know what I don't know. And they're like, but your opinion matters. Like your opinion matters so much because you're brand new to it. You are the person that we're Mm -hmm. selling to. And I remember thinking like, you know, fish out of water, but also, wow, like they really care about my opinion and I have barely been onboarded. Yeah, that is so important. I love that they've done that for you and something that we're trying trying to do at Quiller as well. That's amazing. Awesome. Well, Justine, thank you so much for spending this time with me and sharing all of your nuggets of insight on onboarding. 
maybe circle back when you figure out the automation and the who's who and what they do so you can share it with our listeners. Um, I'm sure that other people are wondering about those same things. I sure will. Thank you very much, Erin. Have a great day. You've been listening to the Employee Onboarding Podcast, bringing you insights and best practices from employee onboarding experts, helping you create an amazing onboarding experience. Please like and subscribe to keep updated on new episodes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on your listening platform of choice.